0: I think I told you on the last episode that Steve Eisman doesn't go out and sign Billy Huso to 4.75 million for three years and doesn't do something big. When I said that I wasn't imagining him signing nine players within the first two days of free agency. Yeah, that was uh, something. I know I played devil's advocate there. So look at me now. I don't think I don't think any of us could have predicted like I feel like I need a cigarette after that. Like Steve Eisman went he went insane. I saw a meme today. It was like a, it was a train going full speed ahead. It was like or no, 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 it was a it was a car crossing. It's like other GMs thinking they're gonna be able to sign players to in positions, and then Steve Eisman's the train that runs into the oncoming car to Steve Eisman during free agency. <laughs>
1: it's just cool. it's funny the difference from the last couple of years of free agency to this year. Very different.
0: Yeah, it was, there were a couple teams that really took advantage of cap space that they had and made improvements. But yeah, welcome into the production line podcast and this special free agency frenzy edition. I'm one of your hosts, Garth Wickham. Grant Wickham. And yeah, before we do a quick little recap of everything Red Wing signings. A quick word from our show sponsor and friends of Inside the Rink, BetUS. BetUS is your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and, yes, NFL betting line, so their 27th year of live betting. Sign up for BETUS.com with promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Put it the proven man in the industry. BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. Yeah, Steve Eisman, could you say he went brazy mode? I'd say that.
1: You could say words.
0: that, something like that. Um, yeah. So, I don't even know where to begin with this. I'm still kind of in shock of actually what happened. Again, I was kind of an optimist. I was like lo- looking, you know, down. Like we did our little whatever cat friendly uh, interactive interactive roster tools, and we we're like, okay, this is what they could do, this and that. Um, I don't think he planned for something like this, where Eiseman goes out and literally addresses everything.
1: Yeah, and I just—I'd be the first one to say I don't think any of these signings I would have predicted on my armchair too. Besides, Cop and Mata, mm-hmm, right? I think those are the only two I actually did have in a couple armchairs that I just
0: did myself and just kind of kept to myself. Yeah. So let's start with like beginning of Wednesday. Um, I was recording this Thursday, so day two just happened. Um. And I love that. So right away, around 7:30 a.m., uh, a few insiders. I think it was Jeff Merrick, Bob McKenzie, and Darren Drager all connected cop to Detroit. So when three people are tweeting the same thing, we are pretty confident the cop is going to end up in Detroit in some way. Um, and we, you know, 12 o'clock happens, and Red Wings are tweeting at like I think there was a tweet at like 12:05, and we're like, okay, cop's happening. Because, you know, obviously, you know, you know, it was a five minute phone call that decided that cop was coming to Detroit. (laughs) That was crazy. We can talk about that in a second. But no, they're announcing the three year entry level contract of Marco Casper, which I thought was like perfect timing. And it's such a Steve Eisman thing. I loved every after that happened. I had like a gut feeling. I'm like, this is going to be a really quiet free agency, isn't it? Yeah, that was (laughs) it was pretty
1: funny. I guess I didn't think much of it at the time. So, but I know you were
0: kind of. You thought it was the funniest thing in the world. Oh, it's hilarious. Just like it was obviously scheduled out to come out at that time, which is yeah. just what's funny in the middle of everything. So, yeah, um, obviously, Andrew Cop signs at about 1240, I think it was. And the contract details five years at 5.625 AAV. Um, I don't know. What are your initial thoughts on the Andrew Cop deal? Like, what, what were you thinking right away?
1: I really strayed between Trochik and Cop until ultimately I kind of decided that I would rather Cop just because I liked the way he finished his season last year. Um, and he's a Michigan boy, too. So I think he's going to be a good locker room fit. I Eden agrees. I don't know if you caught that. I did. <laughs> Me- meow back at you, Eden. Uh, <laughs> no, I, wa- I preferably wanted f- four years for Cop. But five years, I thought it was, was going to be five or six for him, wherever he was going to end up. And I thought it was going to be somewhere between the five and six million range too. So I think it's a pretty fair deal. I wouldn't say the Red Wings did great with it. I would say he's a player that I, I really like, and I'm happy that uh, he fills a significant need in Detroit. I mean, we saw how Pew Suter panned out as a second-line center last year. So this year, going into this year, it was going to be Joe Valeno's spot if you didn't sign Andrew Kopp. And Joe Valeno's not
0: ready to be a second-line center. Uh, no, not at all. Um, yeah, and I liked how obvious it was. I mean, both Cop and Eisman today, which we'll get into his press conference towards the end of this. Um, it was pretty obvious that they've the organization views him as a center, which I'm curious because I don't think he's actually played a full season at center. Like, I know he's just done, like, stints here and there. He's kind of, like, just a floater guy. So, I'm really curious what he, how he starts the year at second-line center. That's yeah, and question. how
1: complimentary you pair him. How complimentary of wingers, defensive wingers, you pair him with at the start of a season, right? Because if you're kind of not always a centerman, it's a lot different than the wing, I would say. I mean, I guess if you're a really versatile guy, and I, I do like to consider Cop really versatile. Um, He's a great defensive player. Maybe maybe it wouldn't be that bad for him, but I'm thinking like you have a lot of pretty decent defensive wingers in your top nine now, and then you have a lot of really not good defensive wingers in your top nine.
0: It's kind of like a really like sharp difference.
1: There, oh there are gosh. like
0: two. There's like two. There's two
1: outliers, and there's two two. Yeah. Good ones. Defensive wingers.
0: Yes. I would say uh, I would
1: argue three good. Oh, yeah,
0: true. Yeah. We can talk about lineups later. So I'm kind of glad you didn't name names because I'd, I'd love to talk lineups later. Um, But no, my initial thoughts, I was I was pumped. I love Andrew Kopp. I said this like when he was still playing for the Jets and he scored two goals against the Red Wings that was at the four nothing game. They beat Detroit in Detroit. I was saying this. I was saying that for a while. Kopp I don't was my know guy. if you saw the stat, but
1: I know. Detroit Red Wings were his second highest shooting percentage uh, in his career. It's at a twenty percent, and his highest. Do you know who? The, did you see who the highest? Shooting no, I did. I didn't see this at all. Uh, Atlantic Division team, the Toronto Maple Leafs. He shoots at twenty five percent against the Leafs. Love that. This would be perfect. So, perfect. Eisman looking at uh, getting rid of that that threat against the Red Wings and just turning it on. Well, the Leafs. well at our
0: you know our next ten to seven game with cop yeah. if cop gets four shots on net you know, That's, yeah let's see. he's scoring one he's scoring one it's only 10 eight now we're just gonna get him eight shots and he'll be fine yeah he's, he's yeah we're good now um <laughs> yeah i think andrew cop is perfect fit i know like i even pointed out how good he is on face-off which is true i mean he looked in the playoffs he was the one taking the face-off for ryan Strom. yeah which i know mean, he was playing on the wing but he was taking it most of the face-offs um yeah, I think uh, this is a quote from Eisman. He's a centerman, 28 years old. He's versatile at 28. I was comfortable giving him a five-year contract. So, again, probably I think we could argue the fifth year might have been a little much, but, I mean, that's probably – that might have been something that put Detroit over the edge, giving him the fifth year. Right? In I, free I,
1: I also look at Trotex contract, and I would not want that at all. I mean, like – if there was any chance the Rangers could have re-signed Cop for similar to what the Red Wings did, why would they not do that? And why would you sign Trochik? They're the
0: same, they're the same
1: cap hit. Trochick and Cop. Yeah, just two years extra for c Yeah,
0: which I don't understand what the and also Trochek's older. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me. I think they're
1: no. I don't I wouldn't say I guess they have different values on each player. They're, they're, they're pretty, not that
0: similar though. They're, they're not that no. different,
1: I should say. No, I think they're pretty similar. Yeah. They both can Cop's kill bigger, penalties. Yeah,
0: the Cops a bigger body. They both kill penalties. I think Tro- maybe they're going for the more proven center, like Trochik's been a center his whole career yeah. versus Cop only has, has done it like in bits and pieces. Um, But no, Cop, 21 goals, 33 assists, la- or 32 assists, excuse me, last year. So, I mean, it was definitely a career high for him. But, I mean, the previous two seasons, like, he was hurt. Or no, he was hurt, and then it was the pandemic shortened season but he was on pace for above 20 goals and 45, 50 point range, which for an NHL second line center, it's not bad. No, it's, ide- it, it's ideal what you're doing for it. And also cop was playing hard defensive minutes in Winnipeg up until this season, basically. And he was still playing pretty big minutes. I think his average ice time was like 19 something a night. It was only a little bit less than Larkin. So he's getting tasked with a lot of big stuff. Um, No, I very happy. And obviously Andrew cop is very happy to be here. Like listening to his press conference and how excited he is to be with Larks. Um, I did like how he shouted out Glenn Denning. I thought that was kind of funny in his press conference. Talking about his I, football I connect- What?
1: Yeah, I actually didn't listen. He was like the only press conference I didn't listen to. Oh,
0: really? Yeah. yeah. It was ninety minutes. Yeah. So like someone asked because he was a football quarterback. Yeah. Uh Skyline. He, yeah. So then they were talking about like how Glenn Denning viewed him like viewed his like hockey career to his football career. And and someone asked him he's, and he's like, Well, Glenn Denning's a dog. Like a, like kind of like that. <laughs> and so he's got kind of they called him he's I think he's calling him Glennie. but yeah. Cause I kind of forget that they kind of oh, they overlapped at Michigan, yeah. For a little bit, and then obviously cop overlapped with Larkin. And he did mention how funny it is that he was Larkin's captain at Michigan, and now Larkin is his captain in Detroit. That's awesome. I did I did like that. It was very cool. Uh, Yeah, I I did like how Eisenman also stated how he was used very well in a bumper position on a power play. So, again, that gives the Red Wings another option to play on either unit. That's one thing that I love
1: about this roster. So Mm. far up front, the amount of options there are on a power play. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
0: And we can keep going. We'll get into that with the other assignments I do want to touch on the power play. I have... A crazy
1: reverted idea later that I think has to happen.
0: Okay. Remind me to because I'm gonna forget. Make sure you remind me before we stop this. Okay. Mm -hmm. Again, it's gonna be a shorter one, it's gonna be a little quicker pace. So I think we unless you have anything else on Andrew Cobb, I think we move on. No, I'm really happy that he's Red Wing. Yeah, no, super excited. Um, and then quickly after, I think it was was it Max Boltman that got the scoop first? On Mana. Yeah, I saw, I think I saw his tweet first. I saw his tweet first too. So I'm gonna give it. The, I'm gonna give the credit to Max. Uh, yeah, he said he was hearing Ollie Mata to Detroit. Then obviously Darren Dreger gave the uh, the price one year one point or no one year two point two five million. Um, I really love this pickup under the radar. I I actually wrote about him in my um, free free agency defenseman article because he's left handed, pretty young, twenty eight. Uh, I think he's a, is he twenty seven right now. He, he just turned twenty eight. I think sure. I could be wrong on that. You want to double check for me? Uh, Yeah. Good podcasting right here. Good podcasting. Uh, I thought he was 28. I could be mistaken, though.
1: Um, On Cat Friendly, it says 27. He turns
0: uh, in a month. He'll be 28. Okay, so almost 28. He'll be 28 28 when the season starts. So, semantics. But uh, Big Body, I kind of forget he's like Like, 6'2". He's kind of a... Not that he doesn't play, not that he plays small, but I don't know. He kind of plays, he plays kind of a, a Emil Vero type game of the simplistic defense first, quick pass up the ice movement, which is what the Red Wings have really been lacking that that quick pass up. And I really, when I look at Ali Mata signing, I really think of Philip Paronic. Uh
1: Yeah. If I can jump into this. Yes. I really love this signing i think i've been on the Phil Peronic hate train for some time now and i've wanted him gone and signing olimata shows me that you do not want to get rid of him and you still think there's a lot more there and so i'm optimistic about that um olimata played a lot with chris letang in pittsburgh and chris letang is not good defensively um, Philip Ronick is not good defensively sometimes, then other games he'll surprise you, but he's the kind of stable presence. Heronick needs right. I, I love that, and he's lanky too, which I, I think that's pretty good for Ronick too. I would like that, and it's better than just throwing Edmondson on his pairing and just throwing Edmondson to the Wolves, right? So, no, I agree. Um, I mean, big note I had, he was. He was plus 17 last year on a team that basically played all
0: one-goal games. Yeah, and I mean, plus I mean, plus minus is obviously a little bit skewed. Um, I'm just saying, when L.A. plays all one-goal games, it says a little bit. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Like, again, he played a super important role. Um, I, hold on. I'm trying to pull up his um, yeah. average
1: probably, what, 18 minutes a night, I think. Just about – yeah, I, I, haven't written,
0: I, haven't, I haven't written. I haven't written. It was, um, it was eight, a little bit over eighteen. I think it was like eighteen, whatever, eighteen fifteen, whatever. Um, so I'm trying to pull. Minutes. Yeah, eighteen <laughs> minutes. I'm trying to. Sorry, I'm trying to like talk while also. Um, damn, I can't find it. Um, I was trying to look up the the war chart for Mata. I thought I sent okay. it in the Twitter chat, but I did not. I'm pretty sure it, it was highly in the defensive range. Like I, th- I think it was like seventy or so percent in the defensive. Obviously not a lot of offense there, but I mean, he was playing in an LA system that was more defensive oriented and his press conference. He said he was looking forward to giving to proving more offensively, which came he, out today.
1: He had a good press conference. Easy. To listen yeah. To.
0: Yeah. It was really easy to listen to. And again, there was a common theme. I'll start it with it now, but I mean, in the next signing as well, it was really pertinent is like a lot of these guys. The first thing they bring up is Steve Eisenman
1: mm-hmm.
0: when they signed, which again, kind of just proves like, with the value of like where the rebuild is like this last seven years. And then finally, like this season, you're like, okay, we're going to take, we're going to take that. We're going to take a couple steps here forward and being able to recruit players like, like this and showing them a concrete plan that this is where we're going mm-hmm. and show an upward to direct trajectory with young players to, to, you know, show your fruits of your labor. I think there's something there, like obviously for Eisen to keep doing this. And Signing bigger name players like this is only more proof for the pudding. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm a big fan of Mata. I'm really curious to see how he fits in Detroit. I think another big thing too is the penalty kill, which I look to as well with his size. Um, the Red Wings penalty kill was atrocious last year. I don't think that it kind of goes without I, saying.
1: I know. I'm I'm really excited for Uh, Ufner and Lalonde penalty kills. Yeah. Um, that's an area that I thought cider especially struggled with last year compared to the rest of his game. I think that could be huge development for him this year. Right. Um, then other players like Mata could really strive in that sort of role.
0: Yeah. I i am super. Like, obviously like you keep talking about special teams. Like, Thrive. Oh. Sorry. No. Yeah. I got what you. I got what you're saying. <laughs> what you're saying. But yeah. So big fan of the Mata contract. Then we get hit with this bomb, Michelle, by the way, funniest thing about this one. So Ben Sherratt signs in Detroit. But Elliot Freeman tweeted like Ben Schrott hearing Ben Schrott to, to Detroit. And we didn't hear anything else about that for another hour and a half. It was like, what's happening here? I thought maybe it fell through. Um, I didn't actually verify, like I didn't actually check to see if it was true, but uh, I think it was Max Boltman again who said hearing that it was a modified no trade on Ben Schrott's contract. So maybe that's what the holdup was, is he negotiated for a no trade clause? Um, but yeah, let's get right into it. Uh, four years, $4.75 million a year for Ben Shratt. So a total of $19 million you're selling on to Ben Shratt. Um, I think, I'm, I think I'm on the record on this podcast when Florida traded for him saying that was the most, that was the gross, the the biggest gross overpayment of the trade deadline. I still stand by that. Um, um yeah, I'm not crazy about this one, but obviously doesn't make any sense for us to bash Ben Sherrod because he's our guy now. He's on the team. We want him to succeed. I –
1: Good. I liked him in the playoffs with Montreal. Um, Mm -hmm. That was the first time I really paid attention to him. Mm, Last year going into Florida during the playoffs, he stood out to me like a sore thumb. Um, in a way that he kind of killed offense for Florida, in my eyes. They really rushed the puck type team, and he would dump the puck in every time. And just like they were not on the same page. And he just did not fit their style. And I think that's a lot different than Detroit. They're not – they don't play like Florida, or at least last year they didn't. And I'm assuming LaLone's systems will not be a Florida Panthers all-octane offense system. Right, and I think Ben Chirac has the opportunity to fit in real well here. I mean, there's the argument that he's really old. I mean, literally just turned thirty-one two months ago. Um, yep, and you get four-year contract for that. You get four years. I don't. I don't think the term is terrible. Um, it's the AAV that scares me a little much. Um, if you're gonna hash out four years at three million or three point five that sits a little bit better with me because I think he does have good value in the aspect of big physical defensemen that can be mean. Well, honestly, he's a train wreck analytically. Um, but I think there's positives to come with being able to be a nice, physical, stable defensive presence, uh, whether or not he's playing with Moritz or not. I think that could be really interesting as a pairing.
0: Yeah, I think that's ultimately like where I would want him to be. And like me kind of going back into Ben Chirot. But before I start with Ben Schrott though, um, I wanted to mention with Andrew Kopp's contract, that's the longest contract uh, term-wise is that Eisman's ever signed with Detroit. Yeah. Five years. And then Ben tied for the was the was tied for the second longest with Anthony Amantha, which is something to be considered. I think it's interesting. Um, with Ben Sherratt, I do view him as a good number four defenseman. I think he's a good number four, but he's gonna be playing probably in a top pairing role this year. I think you're paying him the money to be a top pairing guy. He's
1: been playing 20 plus minutes a night, basically everywhere he's or the last um couple of years. Yep. Upwards. So I think that says something too. Absolutely. I mean, I don't. I guess didn't love him in Florida last year, but I just don't think it was I'm the right down fit. To be optimistic,
0: I don't think it was the right fit in Florida. I really don't. I think Schrott's game is definitely more tailored to a defensive style where your your goal is to keep more things on the outside versus taking risks. Which I, just, I know is isn't that the thing that Derek Lalonde really preached in his thing? It was minimizing risks. Yeah, and I just think that's kind of where Ben Schrott's game needs to be um does he do that all the time no i think he sometimes he's a pretty good skater for his size i don't think his skating's his biggest issue i don't i don't think he's a bad skater at all and i i like
1: i said i think I'm, it's his
0: decision making
1: yes and he takes a lot both, of dumb both,
0: penalties both penalty wise and in the offensive zone and defensive zone he often gets caught losing his coverage and then he tries to make up by that by either swinging a stick or cross-checking a guy yeah
1: and i I like I said I'm game to be optimistic on this one. This is this is a guy going into free agency. I would have said that I had no interest in. Basically, there were yep. two guys that the Red Wings signed that going into free agency I would have said I had no interest in, and the other one I kind of backtracked on now. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah, no Ben Sherrod, I think I'm really curious what it is going to be a cider. I hope it's not cider again carrying the load. Of a pairing I, again,
1: I don't think it will be because right, he spent that time with Letty, he was not carrying the load there at that point in time. I think Letty was good for him at that time, and mm-hmm. I, I do think Sharat would be a good fit for him because I mean, like I said, Sherat provides little to none offense. Yeah, um, I think it's going to give Cider
0: more room and leeway. Yeah, you do say Schrott provides a little to no offense, but also like Schrott also kind of scores kind of frequently, like goal-wise. Like yeah. he had, he's had like nine goals recently. He think he had seven last year. It's just like that's that's quite a bit for defenseman. He has a pretty good shot from the point. Have that's what nice I'm shot. saying he doesn't have a nice shot. He's he's a big boy. Um, I did like again, he, he pointed out how well Steve Eisman builds teams, and that's kind of what he was pitched on. Um, I didn't check. end up checking cap-friendly if he has a modified no-trade. The terms aren't um, disclosed yet, so I do not have that information ready yet. But um, what is also something for the cop deal and this deal that should be noted, the cap's going up big in 2025. Uh, Projected $10 million. Jump. And also Detroit's losing. um, It's the... Oh my, it's I'm trying to think which we're losing for um Phronsie Wilsonson's contracts me off the books. Um, Richard Panic steals gonna be off the books next year and there was one more. It's applicator maybe.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm thinking of. Yeah, so those three contracts in dead money are gonna be gone. You're gonna have UFAs such as Souter and Ernie and Sunquist. And stuff like that, and it's gonna be opening up, so I don't think like this is something to be worried about cap wise. Detroit has a space, I'm not worried about money wise here, like right now. So I'm just curious what mod or uh, what excuse me, Sherrod's gonna do for the young guys moving forward. Maybe it's inspiring confidence for a sider to take more liberties in the offensive zone, like that. I just don't see him as a fit with Philip Paronic. That's my biggest thing, me neither. I don't think. Like I don't think he's a bad skater, but like Philip Horonic's not a good skater either. So they're not making up anything that sense. And with two guys not making great decisions, I'd rather Mata with Heronik. Um Agreed. Yeah. So I guess uh, unless you have anything else on Schrott, no, I'm. I'm
1: very curious w- what he looks like in a Red
0: Wings uniform. My biggest question is, is he's taking Jake Wallman's number. He's worn number eight and he has the veteran thing going on over. That's kind no, of my question.
1: I think he's gonna wear number ninety eight. He's wearing ninety eight? Yeah, confirmed. Is that a thing? No. <laughs> I was gonna say.
0: No. I was gonna say this speaking at,
1: speaking of number ninety eight though, I have some interesting news that I would like to hear your thoughts on. Okay. The Leafs just signed Victor Mat- Mate? Mate They also just signed Jordy Bent. Okay. Does that mean so, Rasmus Sandin yeah. is on the outs?
0: Um okay, hear me out. I just thought of this on the spot. Not Detroit not a Detroit move. Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: Sandin for Puljavi would be very interesting. Uh, yeah, they just had Duncan Keith left. Billy Arvey doesn't want to be in Edmonton. I don't know. They're both RFAs. I think there's something there. Also, that, yes, Victor
1: Mete tweeted in 2013, now it's time for the Leafs to get embarrassed in the playoffs. Hashtag all ye. And then <laughs> puck Report at NHL on, at, on Twitter subtweeted it and said all ye. And then now the tweet is gone from Victor Matt. Okay.
0: Oh, you gotta you gotta keep that. Yeah, you gotta live does. up. Like Charlie McAvoy kept his the, I hate the Bruins so much tweet. It's it's yeah. literally my banner on Twitter. But like he lives he he you know owns that. You know what I mean? You gotta. Yeah, you have to. I think it's funny. I, I think you lose some credibility in that sense. So Victor Mateo, not off to a great start. Yeah. Dirty Ben, I I see the fit. They need a punishing defenseman. Is he great? No. But you know. I think if you're did,
1: signing two defensemen like that, I think that means Sandine's probably on the outs. Yeah, I don't think they, they can't really fit where them. the
0: space is. They're also need to move Justin Hall, I think, as well. Yeah. Anyway, not a Leaf podcast. We're doing short and sweet free agency Red Wing edition. <laughs> um, yeah, so moving on from Ben Chirot, Uh This one surprised the ever-living hell out of me. Uh, all of a sudden, Frank Saravalli just puts up hearing David Perron to Detroit. And I accidentally, I went to go send it to the Twitter chat of Andy and Grant and I. And I accidentally replied to the tweet and just said, no way all caps. Luckily I didn't say anything like super vulgar or anything. Cause like, I didn't mean to reply to that tweet. I literally meant to send it to the Twitter chat. So I'm really happy. I didn't say something really stupid. I was pumped about it. Um, And the details didn't come out until literally. So I, like, I work out like in the afternoon and I was like, okay, like things are starting to die down. I'm gonna go work out. And over the past two weeks, the two biggest trades with um, Kevin Fiala and Alex DeBrick, it happened while I was working out and David Perron signing happened as I parked my car so obviously everything big happens when I go to the gym so, which is quite funny um, but yeah the details came out 4.75 for two years I think this is the best contract the Red Wings signed all day
1: I, I was preaching before free agency if they're really going to make a splash and want something a big need right now is to get a guy that can be a game changer. And so I thought if you're going to get a game changer, it's usually through the draft or you have to spend big. Like my first thought was Philip Forsberg going to the off season. And I think Perron is a fringe game changer. Like he makes so much stuff happen and he's a really good top six player, even at 34. He's a perennial. He's, a, he's perennial, a top line player. He's a top line player. Perennial, just under a point per game usually, uh, which is pretty wild. The the value there at four point seven five for two years, and he makes such a difference Insane. on both sides of the ice. I, he's I love Joe, this. He's signing. He's,
0: a, he's the same thing as like Joe Pavelski, except with more signing. skill
1: and more grit.
0: Yeah, I love everything about this sign. I think David Perron. He's a he's a winner. He has the he's the third best points per game on the per per 60 on the power play, besides Dry Saddle and McDavid. Yeah. He's brought in to be the power play. So guy. basically, the best points per game on the power
1: McDavid and Dry Saddle don't count.
0: Yeah, no, it's, right. They don't yeah. they're they they you can link them one and you know, they're they're together. Yeah. So David Prawn's second.
1: No, they're fir- He's first.
0: David they don't Braun's- even count. Over the past four seasons, the last four seasons in St. Louis, David Perron has scored at a 27 goal rate or better. That's including the pandemics, two pandemic seasons, and the 2018-19 season where St. Louis sucked up until the end, until they went on the run to win the cup. He's legit. There's nothing like anyone, he could obviously point to age, but. Again, get a guy – like, you look at um, an Andre Palat, who I kind of considered in the same vein, not as much of a goal scorer, but similar, like, grit-wise, defensive responsibility. He signed a – it was a five-year deal Pilot signed? Yeah, five yes. by
1: six. I would much rather David Perron at 2 by 4.7 than Pilot at five by
0: six. Oh, I'm gosh. taking that any of the week. Any of the week. And I wonder if Eisman poked on Pilat first before making the Perron signing. I think Perron's the superior player. And like I really this is like the signing I was like, now we're cooking. Now we're cooking. Because that gives you an uh another top like top line talent player. He's an easy 30 30 guy every year. Yeah. Which is just something Detroit doesn't have a lot of right now. I mean is obviously he, look- has he ever cracked 30 goals in his career? Um I, I don't I don't think he has. But I don't think so either, it's but I mean been the past couple of years. The recent end have. of his
1: career, like or the last bitter part, uh. With
0: if you account games played, he would have cracked him multiple times. Right, like last year he played sixty-seven games. He had twenty-seven goals. Yeah, um, the year he's prior. had twenty. He's had twenty-eight goals in Edmonton. He had nineteen goals in fifty-six games last year. He had twenty-five goals in seventy-one games. 1920, 23. and yeah, he's just, he's just a, a
1: really good player, almost consistent,
0: a, consistently on just under a point per game a year. Yeah. Money in the bag, 55, 60 sixty-point guy, winger, which and a right-right shot, which I've been said was huge. Which I mean, look, you look—you only have Raymond as your other right-handed shot forward, right? Which it also gives you so many different more looks on the power play as well. Yep. Which is another big reason why Perron's brought in. Um, I really have like ne- nothing. I don't think there's any like negative spin on this. I don't think it's aging bad with his track record. If something were to happen like this year, I, it's pretty easy to move at, like, a draft or something like that. Um, I just think that, like, I don't think he's signing in Detroit unless he views them being competitive in these two years in terms of playoff contention. Agreed. And I can say the same thing for most of these signings, but, I mean, we'll talk about well, I mean, playoff. We can talk about playoff structure a little bit
1: later. I'm just going to say this quick, this little piece. In comparison to St. Louis this year, I, uh, they were the first team since, oh my gosh, early 2000s or late nineties
0: to have nine 20 goal, goal, goal scorers. I forgot about that. That's right. And, and what well, didn't someone else had like 19 or something like that? It was Justin Falk had like 16. That's what it was. Yeah.
1: And you look at this roster, I can say that there's seven guys that have easy potential of scoring 20 goals. Yeah. Easy. And there's more potential down there, too. I if, agree. If all things come.
0: Yeah, if things go well and people fill out their roles and stuff like that, I, I agree 100%. Um, yeah, we can talk about Perron more when we talk maybe, I know your power play conversation you want to talk about. And also we'll come up with this next guy, which honestly nobody even reported this one. Just Detroit put it out. They just tweeted it out. And that was while we were waiting for the Perron details. It was like all of a sudden, boom, Dominic League, two years, 2.5 a year uh whoa whoa and I know this is the one you kind of alluded to of not you weren't you were the last episode I think you said you had no interest in Dominic Kubelik yep
1: I said that and right away I wasn't too happy about it not that I was mad I just didn't don't really at the time I wasn't too happy about just the idea of Kubelik and where he fits in because I feel that he plays a similar role to Verana, mm. very similar except not as good at it. Right. Um. The last two years he was down bad. Um. His rookie year, which he played with Tazen Sod, um. He had thirty goals. Yeah. Pretty ridiculous. He's a finisher. He is a finisher. Um. I think it's going to be really interesting where he's another guy where he fits in in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Do you dare start him on the third line, or is he a guy that you want to start in your top six right away and then see what happens from there? That's my big question with him. Do you want to get him going early? I know in his press conference he mentioned having the stable relationship with Taze, or Taze and Saad, and then when Saad got traded and then Taze was out the next year, he was kind. he kind of felt lost. He's a big chemistry guy from the sounds of it. He likes having chemistry with line mates.
0: Yeah. I know that kind of drags me. I know you we've maybe we're jumping the gun a little bit, but I'm going to jump the gun lineup wise. So we had at the end of the year last year where Verona and Zadina had that chemistry with also Suter on that line. Does that you, you move that second line down to your third line and you go kind of all newbies on the third, on the second line. I mean, you technically signed a whole line. You signed an entire line. Yeah. Free
1: agency. Um, to my point, I, I think Verona provides stable, really good scoring on a third line. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, they kind of played a second line role together. My only problem with them on a line is defensive incapabilities, but it's the same thing with Kubelik as Verana. They're both defensively not that capable. Um right. that's my biggest worry with the third line in general is most teams third line. I know it's jumping the way gun way fast, but a lot of teams have that really defensive line. Like Minnesota is the first team that comes to my mind and it's Greenway, Erickson Eck, and Felino, just a complete shutdown line. And that's where do you pop Rasmussen up to that line? I, I there's so many things you can do with all these forward signings, especially.
0: So my biggest thing, like off the top of my head, is the fact that like when you're playing that third line that we're putting in our heads right now, as like on paper we were were just talking about, that was the second line last year for Detroit. You're playing against top six talent. If you move them down a line, you're playing against third line talent. I'm curious if they outscored the third line. I'd hope they outscore other third lines.
1: That's my other thing is I think this is all – way too far ahead but as players themselves like pew Suter in the ozone philip sedina in the ozone are very possessive players they like to possess the puck and hang on to it and right. like to play a good cycle game uh which makes varana a dangerous threat playing with the two of them um and against other third lines i would say they would have the capability to play with the puck more Um, And I do think Suter is defensively – he had times last year where he was really good defensively, and then there were other times where I had no idea why he was on a 23-man roster ever. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Also, I think Zadina is – Harsh. Zadina is decent defensively too. And can he take another step in that direction? Because he's a guy that's going to be fighting it here this year. Yeah. It's going to be it's gonna be
0: tight in this forward group. People are going to battle. And, I mean, that's what Eisman said in his press conference. I know we're, I'm kind of mixing in points from Eisman's press conference, but maybe I'll add some things after. But he basically said that I don't think there's a thing is, like, there's not too many forwards on this team. Like, I'm paraphrasing a little bit. I'm not looking directly at the quote. But um, we have he said we have 15 forwards, including Robbie Fabry, who's going to be on IR to start the year on roster currently. Some regulars who who had spots in the lineup aren't going to have the spots. People are going to prove themselves, and this was just inspires compete like compete, which brings the best out of players, which is a good thing. So, a Philip Zadina mm-hmm. who was probably viewing himself as closer to a top six option, probably maybe top nine even, or not so six. Guaran- Yeah, but He's not so guaranteed anymore. Mm-mm. It's kind of you got to get to your best, man.
1: Opportunities getting limited for him. Yeah.
0: And that's fine with me sink or swim, man sink or swim. And I think that's kind of what I kind of saying right now to guys like Joe Valeno, Michael Rasmussen and Philip Stina. granted. I think Valeno and Rasmussen can have roles in the fourth line with their games. And I think like on paper right now, it'd be like Valeno, Sundquist, um, Rasmussen. I think that'd be like a very responsible checking fourth line that all guys can play penalty kill. And and you can put them out for ten to twelve minutes a night, and they'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anything else? A like Kubalik. I know Eisman like pointed out that he likes his speed as well for being a big guy. He does have some nice breakaway speed, like you said, like Verona, where he gets loose and he has a really wicked shot. His shot is wicked. His one timer is ridiculous. Uh, I almost wonder if you utilize him as you're on the first unit of the power play as you, the left hand yeah. flank my crazy idea
1: was heroic's back on qb because that's what they do on the Czech national team
0: heroic Q- yeah
1: qbs and put Verana on one flank and Kublik on the other flank
0: yeah there's so many options you could do there's so many, and it's perfect because like last year it was like we're we were advocating I think at the end of the year just to run one unit and then rotate like Robbie Fabry on onto the unit. Yeah. <laughs> would just have, like, seven power play guys and then just rotate them. Doesn't matter. That's what now, Edmonton does. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, it works for some teams, but, like, we're doing it out of, not out of, like, we're doing it because that's all that's good. Edmonton yeah. does it because it, it works. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Red Wings weren't done with that. I mean, at the end of the day, they announced um, two depth signings in Austin Zarnik and Matt Luff. Uh, nothing, like, super exciting about those two players. I mean, both were point-per-game players in the AHL. Matt Luff played 30 games in the NHL. So, again, maybe well, if something <laughs> – to- Watch Matt Luff play last year in Milwaukee, electric player. He's not bad. He's not bad at all. He was a pretty good player in the L.A. organization. Austin Zarnick as well. Um, pretty qual- – like, he's shown at times he's a fourth-line center. Mm-hmm. And he played. I think he played eleven games or twelve games in the NHL last year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and he played majority of the time in uh, Bridge uh, Bridgeport in the NHL. And again, point per game, very good in the playoffs. Um, yeah, I don't think there's much to be said here. I'm curious if like maybe Zarnik is on the the um 23 man roster to start the year as like a as a scratch. I'm just curious I'm just thinking either either him or Matt love. yeah as a designated scratch guy um makes you curious about Giovanni Smith as well very very interesting um yeah both on two-way deals I should say uh Zarnik was a two a two- year deal two- year two two-way deal uh and then we had one signing today actually which is honestly kind of an interesting one for me personally Mark Pissick one year, one way, eight hundred fifty k. I really like this, personally. I think he did pretty well in Buffalo last year, being a a guy who's probably playing a little bit more minutes than he probably should have. Very de- defense first. I mean, I was. I think I sent you the um it was the J Fresh the J Fresh chart on um Mark Pissick. Yeah, eighty two percent defensive. He's playing third pair of minutes, but. um yeah, I kind of view this as uh, Gus Lindstrom. Figure it out. You're pushing Gus Lindstrom. You're pushing Jake Wallman. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Jake Wallman's not going to start the year now, which we found out. But again, I think this is kind of... They weren't happy with Gus Lindstrom at the end of the year, and this is competition for Gus Lindstrom coming into the year. As I don't think you make the signing, because you could easily just have been like, okay, Stephen Camper, you can compete with... Gus and Gus Lindstrom probably would have won, but I'm not so convinced with Mark Visick. He's a bigger guy. I think he's about 6'1", 190, I think. Um uh, defensive minded, like I said. Um, there's nothing really, really exciting about his game. I think he's a good number six and a really good number seven, which for a team like Detroit, I think it's perfect. When injuries are gonna happen, he's an he's a better plug-and-play guy, yep, than than what we had. Um, yeah. I don't know if you have anything else to add on top of that. No, I, I don't know a lot about
1: Bissek. Um I, just, I think he's a good depth signing. That's about all. I don't know the couple times I've watched him. I mean, I used to joke about him, to be honest with you. He'd score these weird goals because he'd play forward
0: sometimes, wouldn't he? Yeah, he's so he's listed as right wing and def- and right defense. <laughs> On cat friendly, where
1: where did he play that they would play him as forward sometimes? I think it was Dallas. It was Dallas. It was ridiculous. He'd score these crazy goals in front of the net, and I just thought it was the funniest thing ever. It actually might have been Buffalo too. Yeah, he might have done when his his first stint in Buffalo. Yeah, he'd he'd score these wild goals in
0: front of the net, and I'd be like, "What? Yeah." I know he has a young family too, so it's probably a big thing. Like if they were like, let's say they had like a house in Buffalo or something. Buffalo to Detroit's not that far, considering sure. you could stay pretty close on a one-way deal. So that's good money. Uh, yeah, I have nothing against the signing. I think it's a, I think it's a good signing. And again, i has been kind of said at his press conference. When we kind of alluded to. I think I don't know if we alluded to it on the podcast, but we definitely talked about it before that he list. He said we have eight defensemen on the roster right now. And I don't know if he's counting Edvinson or if he's counting Stephen Camper with that. That's what's interesting to me.
1: I, I would say he's counting Edvinson. Um I also do think the Jake Ballman injury opens up a very open spot for Edvinson to wind right up. I think he really has to push himself out of a spot at this point yeah. in time. Yeah. It's like
0: uh, it's like all right, we're gonna have Jordan Osterley as our sixth defenseman, or are we gonna have Simon Edvinson? Ooh, tough yeah. call. Yeah, yeah. Like where Jake Wallman's actually some excitement there, like versus Edvinson, where you're like, or versus, excuse me, Osterley, you're like, oh yeah, yeah. What are we gonna get tonight? Good puck yeah. moving,
1: Osterley, or pizza maker, Osterley? Yeah, I, I do think this decor is going to be 10 times better than last year, especially if Edmondson does make that step and can be impactful. Yeah, man. And if
0: Rona can take a step forward this year, he's my biggest wild card on the back end right now, because on, on paper, I like the Mata signing. I think he's a solid number four. Ben Trot's also a wild card for me. I, I think
1: you have multiple wild cards on this decor. I would say cider Mata, and Pissick are your your ones. Kind of like you, you, you kind of know what you're getting what you're going to get, and I guess yeah. Sider, Sider you can still get more. You don't know,
0: right? But if you're going but, off basing off what you had last year, you're like, okay, I know this is a top pairing defenseman. Yes, and Ben Sherat wild card, Hironik, heavy wild card, and
1: I think Edvinson is a big wild card too because we still really don't know what we're getting out of him this year, right? Or any, it's totally possible. Anything.
0: It's totally possible he's not ready, and he. Doesn't really look great and he's sent back down. Yep. Which is is why you have totally possible. Totally
1: totally possible that he comes in and he's very, very good.
0: Yeah. And you're pushing, you're making arguments for Mata to be down in the lineup a little bit more and you have Edmondson getting more minutes. I just think at what, 6'5
1: and to be able to skate that well, there's a good chance he's making
0: the team. And he's such a good puck mover too. Mm. It's going to be really interesting. It's kind of hard for me not to like with the back to the Pissick signing. It's hard not to link those two, Edmondson and Pissick. Because, like, while we said last year that Gus Lindstrom would be a good stylistic fit, Pissick's older. He's an older Gus Lindstrom and more sound. Yep. I think he's not giving you much, like, giving you, giving, bringing a lot offensively, and he'll kind of give Edmondson that leash in a third-pairing minutes where you're not going to... Again, it's not going to be like Cider where Cider was playing way too much. yeah. At least to start, Edvinson can be kind of sheltered a little bit and have those favorable minutes in matchups with a Mark Pissick, which I, that's kind of what I think. My um, projected D-pairings, I had Edvinson and Pissick starting the
1: season. And yep. then Mata and Hronik
0: and Stratton and Sider. Yeah, I have the same thing. Yeah, I think it's the forward lines where you could go... I could talk be talked in so many different ways. There's... There's... Which is perfect. That whole top nine can be rotated around. This
1: this is where my heart feels sorry for Jeff Lashell, right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good point.
0: My first thought was, "Man, Jeffy, Jeff Lashell's punching drywall right now." <laughs> He's pissed. why did why did we never give him the chance with this? Uh, We kept saying that though. It was like every year was like, "Hey, just wait with this roster. Let's see what he does." And then (laughs) next year would come. Let's see what he does. So I don't know. I don't care. This is actually legitimate roster change, though. Uh, Oh, it is. I don't think we talked. He's he's probably so mad. He's that's all right. He's chilling with on the beach with his good pal John. Yeah, him and. Which I don't think we talked about. Congrats, Jeff, on yeah assistant role in Tampa Bay. Wow, none of us saw that coming. I miss you and I love you. I don't. I don't miss him. Okay. Um <laughs> yeah, other like interesting points, like again, like back on Edvinson. Uh the way Eisman was talking about Evanson, it really seemed with the wallman injury, like you said, that he kind of viewed him as, as a full time defenseman to start the year anyway. Um, and I did find it interesting that Eisman kind of viewed as he's he's done in free agency, which so anyone any of the Sam Gagne stands out there, unfortunately it kind of looks like he's he's gone, which is a bummer. I it is I, I, a which is. It's a bummer. If we didn't have a certain someone, number 73 on the roster, I think there could have been a spot for Sam Gagne, to be honest. I think he brings more to the table as well. I was really hoping Adam Ernie would get moved. Me too. There's still time. I know Eisman said there's nothing imminent right now, like trade-wise as well, but he says he's going to take time to explore the market. I did like how he pointed out with teams in interesting situations he was going to explore. Um, Vegas is the first team that comes to mind. Also, under the radar, Calgary comes to mind because Calgary missed out on Johnny Gaudreau and have not made any moves yet. If they don't sign Nazim Kadri, I wonder if they call for Tyler Bertuzzi.
1: Yeah, maybe. Can Tyler Bertuzzi even go to Canada yet? Though I
0: don't. What's the? Situation I don't know. Though? I'm just kind of. I, I, I. Yeah, I don't really feel like wading into those waters either. I'm kind of just like throwing out. I'm throwing out stuff. Yeah. Not that I'm. I'm not advocating for Tyler Bertuzzi because I want to see Tyler Bertuzzi on this roster.
1: I just don't think. Yeah, I don't know. Iserman's a wild card, too. I, the way he talks about this roster, the first four players that come up are Sider, Ronick, Larkin, Bertuzzi. Yeah. When he talks about the roster, like, mm-hmm. I guess, when he ropes in the D and then the forwards, and then yeah. Raymond comes up, too. But, right.
0: It's kind of use the core. Uh,
1: need help for Dylan and Tyler, is what he says. That's what he always says in his press conferences. So I don't see Tyler as the guy being moved unless he really thinks there's going to be Rocky contract negotiation Mm -hmm. and that Tyler is going to end up getting a payday and he doesn't want it to happen.
0: Right. So Yeah. I know, like, again, I I kind of agree with this as for right now. I think going in, I don't like, I'm not advocating for, I don't think I'm really advocating for any forwards to get moved off the roster right now. I am. You are? Adam, Adam Ernie. Okay. Okay guys who in our estimated rosters right now with 12 forwards uh if i were to put one
1: estimated 12 forward that i wouldn't be opposed to getting moved it'd be Pius Suter
0: right but like are you mad that he's on the roster
1: no cuz i think i think personally
0: he's a third line center i i do too um and i'm curious to see what he does there me too I would, I'd like to know how he doesn't. And also when you look at it from a penalty kill standpoint, we don't have a lot of other guys that are like, I know you can Larkin. I know he named Larkin and cop to be penalty killers, but how much you want to run those guys every game when you're going to be in tight games and power play opportunities are coming and you want to keep rolling and rolling. Yeah. It gets, it gets old playing 22 minutes a night. You know what I mean? Like every night you want to have those games where Larkin and cop have lighter workloads and they're work and they're only playing like 18 and 16 minutes. Right. Yeah, save him for an 82 game season because stuff happens, and I don't know. I view I kind of view Suter as very like important in that role, and obviously like another name comes to mind is Z- Zadina. Um, obviously with Fabry's injury, I think keeps Z- Z- it keeps Zadina in a pretty relevant role for at least to start, and if you're kind and of getting off. more of the same, you get that's well, that's kind of the thing. It's his time. That's his window, in my opinion. That's his window. And yeah. you prove what you have in that sense, and then it's decision time. Also, another wild card is Jonathan Bergrun. How does he show in camp? I mean, yeah, right now. That's right now. That's
1: that's my big wild card going into camp. I mean, he just was a point per game in the AHL, damn near. What if he shows that he deserves a spot more than Zadina in camp? Totally possible. Lalonde La is a fresh face. Um, I, I, I. I don't know. That's really interesting to me.
0: Yeah. Again, I'm so excited and it's so far away. Mm -hmm. It's so far away. Um, I guess to kind of finish up with Ottawa also making moves like big moves as well. I thought it'd be really interesting to kind of view the state of the East and how would you rank the 16 teams in the East? The 16 teams in the East. Yeah, because obviously we're talking playoffs, right? You're putting me on the spot here. I know. Like... I'm sorry. I kind of have a pre-made list. Um, I know you're kinda, you're going to pull it up quick. I'll kind of banter for a little bit. Um, I just think the two most improved teams in the offseason were – or this free agency period was Detroit and Ottawa in the East and both coming for the Atlantic. Major playoff implications. I think there's a bunch of teams in the East that are poised to be taking a step back and that's where teams like Detroit and Ottawa could be looking to take a step forward. And I'm just curious how you view okay the, the top maybe even the top 8.
1: Are we going to the
0: metro too or no? Yeah, like I'm okay. kind of I'm
1: kind of going top 8. Okay. Um easy for me, the number 1 team Carolina had an unbelievable free agency. Mm-hmm. Um they got exactly what they needed. They needed a a game breaker. And that's Max Pacioretty, yep. and arguably Brent Burns too. This dude's yes. a stud. I also underrated, strong. Dylan Coghlan as well.
0: Dude, underrated. pick.
1: I love Dylan Coghlan.
0: Yeah,
1: um, he's another Mark Pistic where he plays forward and D. That's true. Vegas needed him, he would play both. They would be my number one. Um, I'm quick to go to Toronto for number two. Um, really? I know that th- I know their goalie spot is really interesting. Um, I just, I don't love what Tampa Bay did this off season. I don't love what Florida did.
0: I'm with you on Florida. I'm, I'm, I'm
1: still pretty high on Tampa. I think my number three would be Tampa Bay though. Yeah. Um, and then it would be Florida after that, it gets pretty fishy for me. Um, You're I Rangers, right? No. Really? I don't uh, – Rangers were dumb this offseason. I don't really like what they did. They're top six heavy in my eyes. Well, Panarin is a head heavy, and they have a really, really young defensive core, which I think – Could could come back and bite them. Could come back and bite them. Agreed. Um, man, I, I guess – yeah, I guess the Rangers probably. I, I don't really know. I mm-hmm. don't – it'd be the Rangers or – Pittsburgh for me I actually I go Pittsburgh would be my number five okay my number six would be the Rangers Uh, with all Boston's injuries I think my number seven would be
0: Detroit see yeah so I kind of this is kind of where I wanted the conversation to go It's the seven to ten slot basically all the guy all the teams fighting for that wild card spot because I think obviously with these moves it kind of indicates I know Eisen didn't come out and say he indicated that this is just a step forward but, again, you sign veterans like Sherratt and Perron and Huso, Because, again, you, you count Huso into the free agency signings. Yeah, he is. He's a free agency signing. You signed a starting goalie, two defensemen, who are going to play in your top four, and three forwards that are going to be playing at least in your middle six, if not top six. That's those. That's not a move made by a team that's looking in too far on the outskirts. I currently have Detroit in the eighth spot, but I have Boston with an asterisk. And my asterisk is if they get Krejci and Bergeron. Because it's kind of like, depending what report you look at, it's they're in, Bergeron's like, oh, I'm not feeling it anymore. And then someone's like, okay, he's back in. So he's very wishy-washy. Krejci, I kind of just feel like if, if it's just Krejci that's brought in, they don't scare me in the yeah. slightest. And also with the injuries too, they're going to be behind the eight ball big time. I also, to bring up Ottawa,
1: I hate Ottawa's defensive core. Thank um, you. Okay, their, I have Ottawa. Top, I have their, Ottawa
0: eleventh. Okay,
1: their top six is good. I think Drew is overrated at this point in his career. Um, everyone is so gung ho about that. I would rather Peron at two years four point seven five. I would rather Drew at what is it three point three by six?
0: I think so. Three point um, six five.
1: Yeah, three by six point five. Excuse me. Uh, I'll pass on that. I I don't think he was noticeable at all in the playoffs. <laughs> um i just uh,
0: i'm a little leery on that one um yeah and also ottawa okay i know connor brown said he was gonna test the market you got rid of a very good middle six winger very good for picks and your defense is not good your defense is thomas shabbat and Art- artem Zub, and then guys uh jake sanderson's also gonna be there and i kind of view jake sanderson in the same uh same breath as edmondson in terms of upside, you don't really know what you are going to get right away. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. Jake Sanderson's a very good prospect. Yep, I am high on Sanderson. Other than that, though, I am with you. Also, I think their goaltending shakier than Detroit's by quite a bit. Oh, by far.
1: I, um, think- I like I <laughs> like
0: Anton Forsberg. I do. I think he's the starting goalie day one. Cam Talbot's the one that freaks me out.
1: Me too. I think Anton Forsberg does start. I think they try Cam Talbot at the start, and I think he fails. ultimately fails. Yes. I'm with you 100. I think uh, a Minnesota system is so much different than a Ottawa system.
0: But I legitimately think the three the three teams that Detroit's really going to be competing with for that wild card spot are Boston, the Islanders, and Washington. Agreed. I think Pittsburgh will be inserted a pretty good spot. I have I think Pittsburgh, I have Pittsburgh pretty high on my list. I like what Pittsburgh did. I think New York Rangers are going to be a wild card this year. That my wild card team, like my like my team to take a step back this year is Florida. I think Florida has a chance to fall off. They just don't have their forward. They depth. Ha- I hate their depth now. Their depth sucks. Their defense also doesn't scare me at all, besides McKenzie Weger. I know Eckblad's yeah. Eckblad's kind of like whatever, whoever you talk to. He's either the best or the worst. I don't know. And also uh, the, the Uyghur, the Uyghur rumors to Ottawa, I will I will cry. I'll throw Ottawa way higher if they get weaker. Me too. I love if Uyghur. It, oh, me too. He's so good. He's I hope
1: they trade for someone like some. They want a right-handed defense but I hope they trade for like a joke of
0: a one of one. Yeah, right. Like, like something right. silly. I agree. Hope it's not John Marino because I like John Marino too. Me too. Because <laughs> he's the he's the other right-handed defenseman that's on the market. Yeah, which I'll be pissed about because I'd want Detroit to pick that up. But now I way too early to be having this playoff conversation because we've never even seen this team on the ice. But. I think you make these moves and this is where Iserman's looking for the team to be. I
1: doesn't just mean, think
0: doesn't mean they'll make it. Four lines deep, this team
1: looks good. Yeah. I'm saying if you look at the fourth line, it's not I guess I've been comparing to other fourth lines um recently. If you go to like a depth chart basically, and I know I think Boston was one of them that I looked at. And their yeah. four their fourth line is. Uh, on a predicted depth chart, their fourth line is very interesting. Like, you got Trent Frederick, Oscar Steen, and Chris Wagner compared oh, to God. Oscar Sundquist, Michael Rasmussen, and Joe Valeno in my eyes. Yeah. It's a pretty big difference. Even a third line of Nick Foligno, Thomas
0: Nosek, and Jack Studnicka I'd argue that's worse than their, their fourth line. <laughs> <laughs> I would argue that. I mean,
1: even a second line, like, you're looking with injuries. You have Jake DeBrus, Zaka, and Craig Smith.
0: Yeah, dude, that's what I'm saying. Like, I have an asterisk next to the Bruins. If they don't get Bergeron in or Krejci, it's not looking great.
1: Yeah, I just – I like their top four defense.
0: That's all. I love their I, defense. I think their goaltending tandem
1: is very good. Their goaltending tandem is one of the best. I also – is
0: how long is Mack to play out at the start of the season? He's up, uh, he's out until December. That's two full months. (sighs) Yeah, and Grizzlyk, too. And Grizzlyk, that hurts bad. Yeah, so I'm saying it's tough. And Marshan's out for a while, too, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, he's out about the same timeline. Bergeron also had elbow surgery, if I don't, if I'm remembering correctly. Again, so I don't even know if he starts the season. Very interesting. I know that's what I'm saying. This is a this is where like a team like Detroit or Ottawa, if they have their hopes, this is where you get in early and you get the point stacked early mm-hmm. for any hopes for any long runs. But uh, this is supposed to be a quick one, and we're already over an hour. So um, <laughs> I think unless you have any other final thoughts, I think I'm going to wrap it up. No, pretty
1: exciting trade or de- er, trade deadline. Yeah, we made some good trades at the trade. And we deadline. did. We did
0: make a couple. We did make a trade for really <laughs> <Vili> uso. Um. <laughs> But no, I honestly think it's pretty hard not to be excited as a Red Wing fan, even with some un- uncertainty with contract length and whatnot. But if you're looking at it strictly from the point of next year, we got better significantly. It should be a lot more fun to watch. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's all we can really ask for at this point. Um, yeah, that's going to do it for this one. This surprise, an um, NHL free agency, mostly Red Wings talk. Um, also, I actually, before I want to do quick, uh, Johnny Gaudreau going to Columbus. What are your thoughts quick?
1: Love it. Heck yeah. Good for him. Getting over the him. fear of the cannon. Yeah. We love it. <laughs> we love love it. it. He had a big um, grin on his face. Happy to see that. I wanted I'd, some uh, iguana wrestling, but.
0: I know that would been fun if you want to go to Detroit. Off, off, him off him and Zach Wierenski, though. That will be fun. Uh, my only question is, you left a lot of money on the table to go from Calgary to Columbus. That's all my concern is. It a lot of money doesn't want to live in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. It, it seems like it. But yeah, <laughs> definitely a weird one that I think left everyone very confused. I know we're glossing over this quick, but I, I need to go. But yeah, thank you everyone for listening to this surprise edition of the Production Line podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter at TPL Pod. Our personal Twitter's are in the bio. Uh, sport inside the rink our partner in this and yeah i'm not sure what our schedule looks like for the rest of the off season if eisman decides to go buck crazy maybe we'll be back uh monday but if not we might be doing a little vacay for a few weeks which is uh, much deserved at this point for us i would say especially we're doing surprise epi but yeah thank you for (laughs) supporting